All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, got a couple of really fun interviews lined up for you guys today. Going to talk with Eric Kane, host of Locked On Balls. Going to talk about Kentucky potentially winning the SEC East and why I think that is possible. Also going to speak with the college football playoffs executive director Bill Hancock. Going to get his thoughts on playoff expansion. Going to talk about the SEC and the playoff and how that's been beneficial. A lot of really, really fun stuff coming up in the show. Let's go ahead and kick it to our conversation with Eric Kane of Locked On Vols. All right, we got a treat for you guys here on Locked On Vols, concluding a Wednesday show. I'm your host, Eric Kane. This guy right here, I need to lower the third here. I said I wasn't going to put that up there, but, you know, me, it's, it's out of habit. I'm Eric Kane. He's Lance Dahl. He's our Locked On Kentucky host. Does a really, really nice job. Uh, honestly, I know you guys are not Kentucky fans, um, but if you ever want a really nice breakdown leading into a, a critical Tennessee-Kentucky football game, a Tennessee-Kentucky basketball game, you know, I rely on stats, but this guy goes – you know, within the numbers here. So he does a really, really good job and a great addition to the network. Lance, happy uh, SEC media days and uh, college football is vastly approaching. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I really look am looking forward to the beginning of the season. And I'm really looking forward to watching how the SEC uh, East shakes out this season. It's It feels like outside of maybe Auburn and Vanderbilt, that every single program in the Southeastern Conference is on the rise in some shape or form, whether that be off the field. Obviously, Shane Beamer just took the podium uh, here today talking about all the different facilities they've got. They've got some momentum in other places. Tennessee right now with Josh Heupel, uh, obviously doing really, really good things with the Vols uh, during his uh, early early years with with Tennessee. Kentucky, who we're going to talk about here for a little bit, uh, really excited what, about what the Wildcats are doing. Georgia, obviously, is Georgia. Missouri's doing good things with Eli Drinkwitz, one of the best recruiting classes in the country coming in. And then you look to the West. I mean, everybody is loaded uh, to some extent. So, yeah, the, the conference is doing really, really well. I'm really excited to see this upcoming season because if Alabama is anything like they were last year, they could potentially pick up another loss. They could potentially pick up two. I think that offensive line is really interesting. But point being, we've been asking for parity in the conference for a while now, right? Yeah. And we've been asking for uh, so, some new faces to kind of appear. I don't know if it's going to happen this season, but I think we're going to see glimpses of it. And I really do think we're going to start to see some new teams kind of rise to the top of the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, I know. And especially if you look at the SEC East, I mean, you've got – uh, Georgia, who's a reigning national champion, they're still going to be good this year, in my opinion. But I mean, they can only come down, right? I mean, I'm like, they're not Alabama, at least in my opinion. I don't think that they're going to repeat. They lost too much on defense, uh, but they can only come down, right? I see Tennessee, and we'll see what year two has in store for Josh Heupel. There are some things that he needs to answer, defense in particular, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it a too much of a gimmicky offense? Well, can you pick up right where you left off? All that, but year two is big for him. But it's kind of going up right there. Florida's going to go up with a good coach. I think Kentucky is a solid football team. I am a huge Mark Stoops guy. Uh, I'm a huge Kentucky apologist on this podcast for Mark Stoops. Um, and then South Carolina, it's hard to say anything bad about him right now. I mean, yeah, I do like Shane Beamer. I think that he very much is a coach's son. Um, he gets it. He knows what to say. He has the energy. But he kind of strikes me as a used car salesman a little bit. But okay. I think he's been really good for that program. And they yep. played so hard last year. So I get what you're saying. 
let me just throw this out to you right now. Um, and this is not, not, we're not doing a bit here. This is just an, an off, I call this in radio, an off-air conversation. We're bringing on air, right? I know this is a podcast. But the West, you believe Alabama is going to win the West, I would assume. I, I do believe Alabama is going to win the West this year. And do you believe Georgia is going to win the East? I do not. Okay. I do not believe the Bulldogs are going to win the East. Okay, so I'm not saying that another team could win the East. I'm saying, like, do you believe you? So you straight up believe Georgia's not going to win the East. If it's not Georgia, it is one other team in particular. In particular, in my opinion, and I definitely think, for the record, for those Vols fans out there, I think that Tennessee has a very legitimate shot. Yeah. So, all due respect, I I think it's one of two teams, and I think Tennessee is a, is a very 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 close third this year. Go easy on them in the comments section. I've already told them that you guys are going to jump in there. You're going to send me DMs. They're going to come to my show, too. Yeah, Locked On Kentucky. Let them know you watched him on Locked On Balls. He's a good dude. I just I think this is a fun exercise. Because, again, I think Kentucky is a good team. Kentucky runs how many how many uh, offensive linemen starters? Three of five, I believe? I believe it's three of five. And then they've got a five-star kid potentially starting at left tackle. They brought in a couple of transfers, one of them from Auburn that was a starter there from quite some yeah. time. I mean, they've got some good players in the trenches. They're bringing back a whole lot on the front seven. They've got a great linebacker and, and Squire, Square, Squires, whatever his name is. DeAndre Square. Yeah, really good linebacker. Uh, they are a they are a physical football team up front. That's just Mark Stoops. Um, they, they're bringing back the leading rusher in the SEC and Chris Rodriguez, uh, C-Rod or whatever. You're bringing back Levis, who I think has got all the intangibles to be a good quarterback. Uh, right. He needs to be more consistent and all that. But but really, what, what makes you believe that if it's not Georgia, it could be Kentucky? I think when you look at the Bulldogs this year, I, I think obviously that they're phenomenally coached. I think that they have – really 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 good talent like they they could go and win another title this year i'm not saying that georgia's a bad football team don't get me wrong yeah one of the most important things i think whenever you are establishing a program is finding your identity and sticking with it right and i think a lot of it has to do with experience and i think a lot of it has to do with the personnel that you have they lost 15 guys to the nfl draft 15 guys and the question the question in my mind is I know that they have talent. I know that they've got a good coaching staff. Can they do what Alabama has done year after year after year and reload? Now, they've got these new faces. They've got guys they've been talking about that they're really excited about to see them actually take the field, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. My question, my hang-up is, are they going to – Is that are those players going to step up and produce the way that that team did last year? And there could be a potential opportunity for that to happen, but – I think they're also running into a division in year two, uh, in year two with you know Josh Heupel, Shane Beamer. You got a really experienced guy in Mark Stoops. Going to have some more difficult tests this season within their own division, and I think that they will slip up. Uh, that that's just my opinion. I, I think that their identity is going to be we are a very physical defensive football team yeah. that is going to impose our will on every everyone. And I think their offense is going to be a little bit better than it was last year. But if they find themselves in a position, let's say second last game of the year in Lexington on the road, and Kentucky strikes first, and Kentucky's got a good defense, if Kentucky's able to, say, grow a 10-point lead at some point in that game, do they have – the ability to make a comeback. Does that offense have the ability to make a comeback? See, we always said that about Kentucky as well until it got Will Levis, because now you, you can because you got a quarterback that can right. 
you know, the forward pass. And Terry Wilson could. This is not a knock on Stetson Bennett, right? Yeah. Like, he is a very capable – we saw that in the national title yeah, game. Very, very capable quarterback. So, you look at Georgia's program, you start to wonder about the consequences of success. You know, you start to see, well, okay – Teams are going to be really looking to knock them off the uh, knock them off the stand this season. You know, I, like I said earlier, you know, much more difficult competition. I, I think this year, and you look at Kentucky specifically. If we're going to shift to the Wildcats now, the question with Mark Stoops that I've had this offseason is everybody, not everyone, I've seen it thrown out there that Kentucky is an overachieving program. They've got a really good coaching staff that takes talent, and they have overachieved in the in the East. They've won when they shouldn't have won eight, nine, ten games. Have yeah, see, I, I mean, I'm, I've heard a little bit of that. I wholeheartedly don't believe that. I just think that the mo is you're going to ugly up games, you're going to be out, you're going to out physical the other team, you're going to run the football, and now again, this is the, this is the difference because I mean that was to Kentucky's mo with Terry Wilson, but now you have a quarterback that can actually do some things, right? And so I think that makes Kentucky even more dangerous. So I have heard that a little bit. Um, I completely disagree because yeah. I just think this has been years you know four five six years in the making so that's that was my point that's yeah. my question to kentucky fans and to national media who continue to say oh well kentucky's one of the most overrated programs in the country this year when is it going to to change from overachieving to that just being what is expected of this program because yeah. they've gotten to a level of consistency now where you tend to expect okay they're bringing in top 20 recruiting classes they're bringing in these skill position players that are really talented one of the most important things when you want to build the foundation of a team though is getting things done in the trenches really good offensive yeah. line play for several years now for kentucky i just think the difference is um or not the difference i think like tennessee with having to get over the hump of like florida yep you know tennessee's florida Florida for Tennessee is Tennessee for Kentucky. You just got to get over it, right? I mean, you've got to get over it. Like, I know Kentucky beat Tennessee. I uh, smacked them a couple of years ago. It was 2020. Yeah, that disastrous season. Uh, Tennessee last beat Florida, like, in 2016. But historically, like, those two programs just kind of own the other. Yep. Which I think Tennessee has room to grow and everything, but you've got to get past Florida. I think Kentucky has as well, but you got to get past Tennessee. So, it's, it, it's interesting to think about. My question for you is, if it's not Georgia, your pick would be Kentucky. If it's not Georgia, why wouldn't it be Tennessee? I think that, like I mentioned earlier, Mark Stoops, I, I think the where he's gotten Kentucky, I think that the model that, of consistency that he has for with this program, it may be one of the best, most consistent programs in the entire country. I mean, you think of Kentucky, you think of Iowa in terms of just they're, they're never – going to stoop to the level stoop uh, <laughs> and we end the show roll credit it's uh, been fun <laughs> uh but but yeah I, I think that you look at the model of consistency that they've had and now i think you look at two things like you've mentioned several times will levis you've got a quarterback i said heading into last season what Kentucky needs to get over the hump is they need to find somebody that's not just a game manager at, at, at quarterback. They need a game changer. They need somebody that can have legitimate arm talent and throw the ball downfield and make the offense somewhat explosive. I hope with this young core of receivers that they've gotten, we've heard a lot of really good things about a couple of them, that Kentucky's going to continue to be able to do that. Tavion Robinson, will he be able to produce to the level of Wandale Robinson? Probably not but I think he's going to be that targeted slot guy. I think they've got weapons on offense. The backfield is insane. So you've got Chris Rodriguez. They just got a former Tennessee player, D, D Beckwith, I believe. Yeah, what's the uh, 
sorry to interrupt you here. What is the thought process with D-back with? Is he, is he coming in to be a running back, a six foot five, 240 pound running back? They have him listed on the roster as a running back. Okay. I believe he is going to be a rota rotational piece in the backfield. The name of this other kid is currently slipping my mind. Had 1,100 yards at Sam Houston State last year, transferred into the Wildcats. He's a six year senior. Uh, they've got some really interesting pieces in that backfield. So they've got a really good offensive line. They've got an above average quarterback. They've got exciting pieces at receiver. They've got a really, really good backfield. And then you mentioned it, the front seven. They've got some really, really solid, solid players. They brought in a couple of players. Uh, Darian Henry Young, I believe, is a transfer from Ohio State, former five-star kid. Really excited to see what he does on the D-line. DeAndre Square, Jacquez Jones. They've got phenomenal linebackers. They've got questions in the secondary. As but, does Tennessee. As does as does Tennessee, but I believe that I, I don't I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. I don't think it's going to be the reason T K Kentucky loses football games. So when you're asking, you know, what's the difference between Kentucky and Tennessee just running up and down the roster? I don't want to offend anybody. I think it's a more complete team, especially when you look at the starters and no, the, and, that's, the, and the people that are going to be making. Plays. That's that's fair to say. I mean, Tennessee is still continuing its rebuild. I mean, Tennessee. Right had no linebackers last year. Tennessee had very little depth on the offensive line, yet still, I again, Glenn Ellerby, one of the most impressive jobs last season uh, doing what he did. Uh, very little depth in, in the secondary, obviously. That's why you had two safeties that didn't deserve to keep playing, keep playing. Um, so, I mean, you know, that that's a fair assessment to make, or assumption to make. Uh, year number two, I mean, the, the roster still is not where it needs to be. So, um, it'll be interesting. I think that uh, Tennessee and Kentucky, obviously the last few meetings, really the last – 2020, no, not much so because Kentucky drilled Tennessee, but they're typically pretty good football games coming down to the end. Yep. And uh, I think that uh, 2022 will be no different. So uh, we can do this more, uh, maybe before we leave, because I know they're going to rip you. They're going to want you to come back on. So maybe we can come back on and do I'll this again. I'll rebuttal. <laughs> uh, also, check out his Locked On Kentucky stuff. He does fantastic work. Um, obviously, this is going to be a whole lot of fun uh, throughout football season. Uh, again, Awesome work there by Lance Dahl. Appreciate you for stopping by, man. And if anybody's bored, I know you're a Vol fan, but you got locked on Kentucky. Also, give him a follow on Twitter. What is it? It's not Dahl Pound anymore. What it's is it? Lance Dahl underscore. And I also want to throw out there just real quick. Okay. If you guys think that I hate Tennessee yeah. or just hate the program, I think Hendon Hooker, like, like you mentioned on yesterday's show, I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, and he could be vying for first-team All-SEC honors. I truly believe that. In this offense, I think he, he can put up the numbers to make it happen. All right, before we continue on on the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, before we get to our conversation with college football playoff executive director Bill Hancock, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. So I've been telling you guys recently about all these new Built Bar flavors that have been coming out, and Built actually sent me just a few days ago one of their new flavors. So I've told you about the Built Bar Puffs, right? It's a phenomenal protein bar. It's got the texture of a marshmallow. It's really, really good. They have come out with a flavor called S'mores. It's got graham crackers. It's got chocolate. It, it tastes like a marshmallow. It's absolutely phenomenal. And on top of all that, it's really, really good for you. Packed with protein, low in calorie, low in sugar. Really, really great stuff. You can go to Built.com right now, and you can use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. I would highly encourage you guys to check out the S'mores flavors. I am not going to promote something that does not taste good if it does not taste great. So... Again, built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. That is over at built.com. We are now excited to be joined by a very special guest, Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff. 
Mr. Hancock, I just wanted to start off here with just an overarching question about the playoff as a whole. You know, obviously it's been implemented since 2014, seen a lot of phenomenal games, done a lot of really good things for the sport. But just how have you seen the college football playoff positively impact the game? And what are some of the ways that you think it could continue to impact and can, could continue to change the sport in the future? Well, the college football playoff has been enormously successful. I'll start off with that. We've had eight wonderful years, uh, four more years to go on this current contract. Uh, it has brought new fans to the game. People love tournaments. They love brackets. And now they have one in college football. Uh, it's, it's, it's been great incentive for teams to try to play their way into the tournament. Uh, it's just been very, very good for the sport. What are some of the things outside of expansion? We'll get to expansion in a little bit. I'm, I'm sure you've answered a lot of questions surrounding expansion here throughout SEC Media Days. What are some things outside of expansion that are being discussed right now that could potentially be implemented uh, in the coming years, some changes maybe that we could see? We, every year during the offseason, look at everything about CFP and see what changes we might want to make. Remember that not only do we deal with the team selection, mm -hmm. but we also manage the championship game. Right. And that's probably the biggest part of our job is putting on the game itself. Uh, so we make little tweaks in the game, um, the hospitality functions, what we do for the teams, practice sites, practice planning, uh, it takes a lot of work to put on a big event like this. So little, little tweaks like that happen every year. But looking at the selection committee and its processes, our off-season review turned up the fact that we don't need to make any changes. Uh, I told somebody last week, if don't fix it if it ain't broke. Yep. And the way the committee operates, the way they go about their business is, frankly, not broken. So we're not going to make any changes. It's a good setup, and it's a good setup. And you bring up, you know, not, not breaking anything or not fixing anything if it's not broken. And you look at the playoff right now, currently sitting at four teams. Like you mentioned, got a few years before we could potentially change that. Expansion is a topic that is obviously weighing heavily on a lot of people's minds here uh, over the past couple of years now. Where do you see the playoff going in terms of expansion? And what are your opinions on an 18 model, a 12 team model right now? If, if you were to lean one way, where, where would you lean? In talking to our board, the con that's the conference commissioners, uh, they all want to see a bigger format. There's some, there's obviously some uncertainty about and, and disagreement among them about what the right number of teams would be. Uh, whether that would be eight, whether it might be 12 uh, or, or more. You may have heard Commissioner Sankey yesterday talking about the number of at-large spots. Right. Well, with the, with the eight-team proposal that some people are talking about, we don't have an official eight-team proposal mm -hmm. on the table. But with the eight that most people talk about, it would have something in the neighborhood of six automatic berths and two at-large spots. And Greg Sankey said yesterday something I agree with. Why would we want to get fewer large spots than we have now? We have four at large positions now. So why would we want to back up and only have two? Uh, I think that would be that would be hard. That's one of the beauties of the 12-team proposal was that that had six conference champions and then six at-large teams. 
So you have the incentive to go win your conference. It really makes the conference championship games very valuable, very important. Go win your conference championship, you're going to be in the CFP. But if you don't do that, then there's at large spots available. So I, I happen to think that 12 is, is a good number. When we started talking about this, I thought four works, it does. Mm. And I had thought, like most people, that eight might be the right number, but I hadn't thought through um, that the deal of how many at-large spots you might have. Right. And someone said, hey, well, maybe 12. And I'm like, oh, wow, wait a minute. 12 sounds pretty good. So that's how we got to the recommendation that ultimately was not adopted. But we'll back, we will be back at the table before too long to think about the future. All right, before we continue on, on the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, just want to remind you guys, hey, listen, we're almost to 1,800 subs on the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Also, if you're listening on podcast, leave a review. Want to know what you think about sh the show. Talked about this yesterday. A lot of really fun stuff going on on the show right now, talking a lot of Kentucky basketball recruiting, getting into the football season, currently here live at SEC Media Days in the College Football Hall of Fame. It's a really, really fun time uh, in sports. The talking season's always phenomenal. So again, subscribe on YouTube if you have not already. And if you're listening on podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review. A question here that's not directly related to the playoff, but is direct to, uh, directly related, related to the future of college football. You know, you see the moves of Texas and Oklahoma last year announcing that they would be moving to the SEC in the coming years. USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten here uh, in 2024, I believe. A lot of different moves right now to kind of move college football in a direction that would indicate that we may be moving into an era where we see super conferences. Now, that's not been decided. That's not official. We've got a lot of time to figure out what conferences do in terms of realignment. Do you think that the potential move in the future to super conferences is coming? And if so, is it a good or a bad thing for the long-term health of the sport? I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, I think conferences will stay regional to the best extent possible, mm -hmm. notwithstanding what we all know about USC and, and the UCLA. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see becoming two super conferences. Right. Um, for one thing, the conferences have, like their autonomy. Uh, they like their, their media agreements. So I think, I think there will continue to be conference realignment. There's always been conference realignment, so history is not going to stop right now. Right. But I don't see the super conference thing happening. Final question here for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. When the playoff sees one conference get two teams in, you, you kind of see on social media, specifically whenever Alabama and Georgia got in the playoff in 2017 and then this past season, you kind of see some SEC fatigue. That's kind of been the term that's thrown out there on social media. But me personally, as an SEC fan, you know, I've kind of waved the flag for it. I kind of cheer whenever the conference gets as many teams as possible into the playoff. When you look at the revenue and the TV attention, is there a huge difference between multiple teams from one conference getting in as opposed to when they haven't? So when one team or one conference gets gets one slot each in the 14 playoff, and has the SEC pulled enough attention in those two years when it, Alabama and Georgia made it to the playoff where – it, it, there doesn't really seem to be an actual national fatigue. People are going to watch anyway. That's kind of that's kind of been my thought. Is you know the SEC's gotten teams in the playoff and they've gotten teams to the national title, and there's kind of been that groan of oh man, this is people have said it, it's boring, it's uninteresting, but everybody watches and the games are phenomenal still. 
I think the fans are just like I am, just like our committee is. They want the best four teams to be in the playoff. Right. And they want to see the best two teams in the championship game. And, yeah, now we've had twice with two SEC teams in the CFP. The viewership on television has held up great. So I, I don't I don't know that there's SEC fatigue. That's a good term you've used there. I've heard it before. Um, but on the other hand, I do think the opportunity for more participation that would come with a larger field would overall be good for, for college football. Mr. Hancock, I really appreciate you, appreciate you uh, taking the time to hop on. Great. Thanks for having me on. That was Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff. Locked on Kentucky continues here in just a moment. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Really appreciate Eric Kane hopping on the show. Really appreciate Bill Hancock talking about playoff expansion. Really fun conversations. We're going to continue to have fun conversations. Hey, look, Mark Stoops is up. If you're uh, listening or watching this right now, Mark Stoops is probably either already taking the podium or about to going to be talking about that in depth on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. I will see you all tomorrow for another really fun episode of Locked on Kentucky live here from SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. See you all then. And God bless.